Welcome to the Rail Market Update on the State of Freight podcast brought to you by FTR, where we share timely transportation intelligence with you on a weekly basis. The Rail Market Update is hosted by FTR's Vice President of Rail and Intermodal, Todd Tronowski. As Todd presents the information in the podcast, you can follow along and review the graphs and indicators by downloading a PDF or PowerPoint version of the presentation from our podcast landing page. A link to the PDF is available now at www.ftrintel.com slash podcast. From there, you can also find past episodes and downloads of the Rail Market Update, as well as the weekly trucking market update with Avery Vice and much more. That link again is www.ftrintel.com slash podcast. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the FTR State of Freight Rail Market Update Podcast. Thanks for joining us this week. As always, I am your host, Todd Tronowski, the Vice President of Rail and Intermodal here at FTR. Thank you for joining us. Hard to believe we are at the midpoint of October. The leaves are starting to change if you live uh, up north in the northeast and midwest. It was great to see a bunch of folks over the last several weeks, either at Knit League Engage this past week or at RSI last week or at the Northeast Association of Rail Shippers meeting last week. Always great to see you, always great to hear what's going on in your business, and always great to uh, hear from the class ones, hear from shippers about how life is going out on the railroad. With that, let's let's jump in, let's talk about uh, the rail numbers this week. Intermodal volumes, they're continuing to tread water, continuing to maintain their bounce back from early summer levels. They sort of bounced up. After Labor Day, and they've held those levels. So, yes, we have a little bit of a peak season. We'll talk a little bit more about that when we get to the intermodal section. Uh, But certainly, we are holding uh, our late summer bump. We are holding our post-Labor Day bump. On the carload side, it's a different story. We took a, a modest step down in the latest week, despite the fact that we are in the peak harvest season, despite the fact that we have some demand drivers out there in some commodity groups, uh, the overall majority of those commodity groups did not perform well, and we'll talk about that a little bit more as we go through. Certainly, there is an increasing amount of uncertainty in the economy. Uh, Consumer price index came out this morning. It's higher than expected. Uh, That's not a good sign for inflation. That's not a good sign for consumer spending. That's not a good sign uh, for Federal Reserve interest rate hikes. That's not a good sign for a lot of different things. And obviously, we're also dealing with uh, the after effects uh, of this past weekend's uh, very, uh, very heinous uh, attack over in Israel that has the potential uh, not just to lead to armed conflict in that region, uh, but certainly to, 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 to bubble up and affect other, other regions of the globe as we go forward. It certainly already had an effect on crude oil prices. Uh, they had come down. Uh, last week through Friday, this week they're up about 4%. And that's all about uh, financial instability in the Middle East. And that is going to be uh, one of those things we're going to have to monitor the longer this goes on and see what it means for energy input prices and what it means uh, for the overall economy. So let's shift gears and let's talk about the intermodal market. And you can see that we are above where we were during the summer. So yes, we are having a little bit of a fall peak season, but we are below last year. Uh, we are well off of the five-year average, about 20,000 carloads or so uh, below where we would expect to be this time of year. So yes, we're getting a little bit of a peak season, 
Uh, no, it is not what we would typically expect to see uh, in a peak season. We would expect to see a more robust volume improvement than we have seen. So, uh, yes, there's a little bit there, but it's not it's not much from a historical perspective. It's not uh, one of those things that we look at and we say, you know, this is a banner peak season, this is a normal peak season, that things are proceeding normally. No, things are a little bit uh, weaker than normal when you think about what we would typically expect to see, the magnitude of the jump we would typically expect to see as it relates to the peak season. Trailer volumes, they're down a little bit sequentially in the latest week, but really fairly flat uh, over the last, call it, month. Uh, the number really hasn't moved a whole lot, right around sort of 11, 5, 12,000 trailers per week. That's down about 25% from last year, more than that relative to the five-year average. Trailers continue to struggle. They continue to be a beaten-down piece uh, of the intermodal marketplace and of the intermodal landscape. On the container side of the house, up a little bit sequentially, but really fairly flat. Basically, right on last year's number, down a little bit, but almost infinitesimal when you think about where we are this year and where we were last year. Uh, but we are down relative to the five-year average, sort of what we were talking about. Yes, we're getting a little bit of bump over where we've been. Yes, we're at our highest levels of the year. Those levels are not particularly impressive in a historical context. And so we'll have to see uh, what happens. Certainly we expect to see uh, truckload continue to be a, a very robust competitor with Intermodal as we go through uh, the weeks and months ahead. So let's shift gears now and talk about the carload space. And carload volumes, they took a step back in the latest week. On a sequential basis, they're down a little bit. Uh, but we're still above last year by, call it, 2.5%. We're still uh, basically right in line with our five-year average. We're essentially proceeding normally in the carload markets. Even with a little bit of a step back in the latest week, uh, we're still right on what we would consider historical normal. Now, economically sensitive freight took a much bigger step backward than overall carload volumes. Uh, it's a much steeper sequential decline. Uh, basically, back to where we were three weeks ago, the peak that we've had over the last couple of weeks, we essentially gave that back in the latest week. Now, we're still above last year. We're still above the five-year average. Uh, we're just not as far above it as we have been over, the over much of the course of 2023 and certainly uh, in the recent past, but it's still a robust number overall. Now, when you're trying to wrap your head around what's in economically sensitive freight, this is a number sometimes you'll hear it referred to as core carload freight. Uh, but really what we do is we strip out the agriculture, we strip out the petroleum, and we strip out the coal. We're trying to strip out those that, that respond to commodity prices, that respond to commodity markets, and look at just those things that are more closely and directly tied to that underlying economy. So that's, that's what's in this number. And if you've heard me either on the podcast or out on the speaking circuit recently, you know I feel passionately that this is the sector that has to power growth. This is the sector that has to be able to move things forward from a carload volume growth perspective. If this does not grow, carload will not grow. So the fact that we're still robust overall here that's a good sign. That's a good thing. But you can't talk about carload and not talk about 
the bulk businesses. So let's do that. You look at the coal side of the business, we definitely took a step down sequentially. Uh, we took a little bit of a step down. We're still just barely above 75,000 carloads a week. I think we'll see some further degradation as we go forward here when you think about uh, inventory levels at major utilities, when you think about uh, where things are going for coal-fired power plants, uh, you would expect to see this number face some pressure, face some headwinds. Yes, we're still above last year. We were in a trough pan pattern at this time last year. Uh, so those year-over-year year, uh, year year increases, you know, they're not entirely unexpected by virtue of the easy comparison with 2022. We're well off the five-year average, and like I said, we expect ongoing pressure through the final quarter of the year, even with the, the sudden jump in natural gas prices, uh, given what happened over the weekend, are now up to, to 340 or so, 340 to 360 per MMBTU, uh, which is about a dollar per MMBTU higher than they were uh, this time last week. So uh, that's not probably enough to move the needle materially on domestic coal demand, but it does at least uh, plant the seed that natural gas prices are moving a little bit higher in response to what we've seen uh, in overall energy prices and overall uh, geopolitical instability. The grain side of the house, the other big bulk business, it's up strongly on a sequential basis. We're continuing to see a strong harvest cadence. We're seeing the harvest perform normally. We're seeing the harvest volume start to come in. We're seeing signs of a, a, a normal if not a little bit above normal harvest, both in Canada and in the U.S. We had some rain that put things uh, back about a week. Uh, that was that little little blip you saw about a month, about oh, two weeks ago, where it sort of leveled off before it went back up. But we're, we're right back on the job. We're right back on the ball here in terms of uh, getting those harvest volumes and moving them through the system. We're up on a year-over-year -year basis. We're up above the five-year average. The question will be, how, how much more does this have to run this year? Do we get back to last year's peak, or do we level off where we are, which is much closer to historical normal, much closer to that, that five-year average perspective? Time will tell, but certainly, again, back to geopolitics, back to global demand. What we've seen over the last years, we've seen the South American farmer, particularly, particularly the Brazilian farmer, eat North America's lunch uh, in the global markets. And so we'll have to see how that comes together as we go through the next several months, what that means for overall global demand in this harvest season. Uh, because it seems as though, at least from harvest volumes, that we're starting to see some momentum higher. That's a good thing. Uh, those of you that listen all the time know that grain and agricultural products more broadly uh, have been under some amount of stress over the last few quarters. They have not performed the way we might have expected them to otherwise. So shifting gears now, talking a little bit back into the economically sensitive categories, chemicals volumes. Second consecutive week, third consecutive week actually, we've seen uh, a sequential decline in the numbers. This one was a lot larger in magnitude than the other two have been. We're back down below 45,000 carloads a week. We are positive on a year-over-year -year basis, but remember, we talked a little bit about this last week. The comparisons for chemicals in the fourth quarter are very, very easy. So you would expect that year-over-year -year comparison 
to look good. Even if volumes uh, stayed flat, you would expect that year-over-year number to look really good, and it does. Uh, on an overall basis, we're essentially in line with our five-year average. The question will be, uh, do we level off at these levels, as we would expect if we look at the five-year average? Uh, with such a large drop in the latest week, we'll have to see if we continue to move lower or if we level out at these levels. Uh, time will tell. Shifting gears, looking at petroleum products, uh, this has been up two weeks in a row. This is moving up, certainly, higher than it's been since the end of the first quarter. So that is, is a, a, a turn here in the petroleum markets. We're above last year by about 5%. We're above the five-year average by less than that, but we're moving in the right direction. And this is partly due to larger arbitrages between the price in Canada and the price in the U.S. Gulf Coast. And so the, the number I heard quoted last week by uh, industry participants was somewhere in the 21 to 29 a dollar a barrel range in terms of the arbitrage for crude oil from Canada to the U.S. Gulf Coast. That is certainly good enough to consider the arbitrage window open and to uh, incentivize additional production to move by rail to get to world markets. And that's particularly true when you think about what crude prices have done since last week. Uh, that higher crude price uh, should lift all boats, but it should maintain that arbitrage and keep that global appetite for crude high as we go through at least the next quarter or so. So we would expect the petroleum products figure to be relatively well supported as we go as we go forward in time. Stone, sand, and gravel. Yes, it's down a little bit sequentially, uh, but, but really we're holding our own at 30,000 carloads a week, which is a very good number. If you look at the five-year average, it's closer to 26 or 27,000 carloads a week. If you look at last year, uh, it's in that same range. So this is a good result for stone, sand, and gravel and suggests that we're continuing to see strong demand for construction aggregates, strong demand for construction materials as we get into the final quarter of the year. When normally, we see a little bit of slowing because it gets cold up north. Folks don't do as much construction activity at that time, uh, but we're still seeing robust demand uh, for stone, sand, and gravel as we go forward. The X factor here will be that sand component. If crude oil prices continue to rise, does that incentivize additional drilling activity? Do we see some incremental sand volume uh, support this number uh, sort of counter-cyclical to what we would expect on the crushed stone side, on the gravel side, on the aggregate side uh, of this house? Time will tell. Certainly there is that potential out there as we go forward. We look at lumber and wood. Uh, another step down sequentially. Again, this shouldn't surprise anybody out there. Uh, we've been down pretty much for the entire year, except for what, three weeks of the entire year. Uh, we're well off the five-year average. We're well off last year uh, with, with interest rates where they are, uh, with housing demand where it is. Uh, this is going to be one of those sectors that continues to come under pressure, that continues to face headwinds as we go as we go forward, that aren't about to abate until interest rates abate. And that could be a while, particularly in light of the inflation measure I mentioned uh, right off the top. Uh, that's only going to encourage the Fed to be, more, uh, to be more hawkish, to be more aggressive in terms of fighting inflation, in terms of potentially raising those interest rates one more time 
before the end of the year. That will put pressure on mortgage rates. That will put pressure on housing. And that will, in turn, put downward pressure, additional downward pressure, on this lumber and wood result. Pulp and paper, the other big side of the forest products business, uh, down pretty dramatically on a sequential basis, down a little bit from last year, well off the five-year average, a commodity that continues to be under pressure. We hear additional reports of mill closures, additional reports of shift changes, additional reports uh, of going from three shifts to two and two shifts to one. Uh, We continue to see pressure in this business. Uh, We continue to see packaging pressures. Uh, Large online retailers going to plastic packaging rather than cardboard box packaging. Uh, We continue to see structural pressures in this space that are going to to keep the heat on volumes as we go through the balance of the year and really uh, into 2024. Uh, We don't really see a catalyst for a bounce back toward the five-year average and in fact could be resetting lower to a a new normal in the space as we go through uh, 24 and 25. Time will tell on that, uh, but certainly the possibility is out there. Automotive volumes, in sort of a weird turn of events, uh, they were up sequentially, uh, which given the back end of the UAW strike that's ongoing against the big three uh, American manufacturers, uh, this was an unexpected result. Uh, this is, we're still well above last year, still well above the five-year average. We continue to sort of keep on keeping on as automotive volumes just sort of shake off the strike. Uh, in a lot of ways. Now, we'll see if that can be maintained. There was an announcement this week by the UAW that they're going to idle Ford's Kentucky truck plant that makes uh, super duties, uh, that makes a lot of pickup trucks, a lot of commercial-grade trucks, uh, and Ford has said in the media that uh, the idling of that plant could lead to about a dozen or so other facilities also going offline in the coming weeks uh, that support that facility. And so, We will see just how long the automotive party can keep rolling, but at least for the moment, uh, it continues to hold its own. Uh, So to wrap up this week, intermodal volumes continue to maintain that post-Labor Day bounce. They continue to to show a little bit of a peak season, a little bit of improvement over where we were in the summer, but in a historical context, it's really not much of a peak season at all. And on the carload side, uh, Carlin volumes moved down, and there was a lot of weakness across a lot of different categories to help contribute to that, whether it was coal, whether it was chemicals, whether it was lumber. Uh, there was an awful lot of, of downside pressure across uh, many sectors, and we'll have to see what happens as we go forward. Does some of that stabilize? Is that offset by weakness in other places like automotive? Uh, we will have to see, but certainly uh, Carlin under a little bit of pressure in the latest week, uh, though still posting an overall, uh, an overall decent number. We'll see how long uh, it can continue to hold those levels, but for the moment, uh, we're basically at historical normal in the carload markets. And with that, I want to thank you all for listening. I want to thank you all for taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us, to be with us, uh, to hear about uh, where things are going in transportation. And with that, feel free to reach at any time if you want to talk about what you're seeing in your business, what you're hearing in the podcast, what you're seeing in the reports and the forecasts. We literally, one of the reasons we get up in the morning is to talk about transportation. So never hesitate to reach out to myself, any member of the FTR team to talk about it. We love to discuss these things. And also hear about what you're seeing on the ground. 
what you're seeing in your business that can better inform our own forecasts. And with that, I want to thank you all for joining us this week. As always, I am your host, the Vice President of Rail and Intermodal here at FTR, Todd Tronowski. Thank you for listening. Have a great week. We'll talk to you again next week. That's it for this week's Rail Market Update on the State of Freight podcast. The Rail Market Update will be published each week along with a downloadable PDF of the presentation. If you find this transportation intelligence useful, please take a moment to give us a positive rating on your podcast platform of choice and send us your feedback by email at podcast.ftrintel.com. You can find more publicly available State of Freight content and download the PDF of today's presentation by going to www.ftrintel.com podcast. FTR is the leader in freight transportation forecasting in North America, providing consistently reliable reports for trucking, rail, and intermodal transportation, as well as providing demand analysis for commercial vehicle and rail car. For more information about the work of FTR, visit www.ftrintel.com or call us at 888-988-1699 to find out which publications will best support your business.